You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you. We're together each and every day from 3 to 5. We talk about issues of the day from a Christian perspective because this is a Christian station. That's why we do that. But I know that many listening are not Christians. So we're just glad to have everybody who is joining into the conversation here. You're welcome to join us, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. There is a building on the campus of Ohio State University. It's called the Wexner Center for the Performing Arts. And the architect of that building calls it the world's first postmodern building. They call it a deconstructionalist building is kind of the idea. And the reason is is because if you look at pictures of it, and if you ever go there, the building doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? So in part of it, it looks like a castle, like it's got little turrets and, you know, you expect a a guy up there who's throwing coconuts off or something. And uh, it also has part of the building is a modern design. Another part of the building looks like Frank Lloyd Wright designed it. Some of it's glass, some of it's brick. And it's just kind of hodgepodgey, just thrown together is the way it kind of looks. But this is by design. Inside is where it really gets weird. It has pillars that are not holding anything up. There's just like a pillar in the middle of the room, but it doesn't go all the way to the ceiling, so it's not doing anything. And it's just there. There are stairwells and stairways that go nowhere. You just hike up the stairs, and then you get to the top, and it doesn't take you anywhere. It doesn't go to another floor or anything like that. You just walk up. You have to come back down. And the notion of the building, the artistic notion behind it is to portray modern thinking that life and our experience in life doesn't really have any design That's the idea of the building. That's the statement. The architect of it said that he designed the building deliberately with no design in mind. And, you know, he's, you know, why people said, and he said, if life itself is capricious, why should our buildings have any design and any meaning? So he has pillars in there that have no purpose and he has stairways that go nowhere. And there's a random design to the outside, just maybe whatever they felt like for the day is the idea that it put up. And, you know, it's funny because there's a debate that goes on on the campus, uh, probably not publicly because you're not allowed to debate anything anymore because somebody might get their feelings hurt. But as people sit around and they have coffee and have actual personal conversation, the debate is whether or not this building is mocking the current era or if it actually lifts up our thinking and is somehow wise. The idea that uh, you, that our culture today in not necessarily having a truth or saying that, uh, you know, it can be one thing or another and it can change from day to day is one thing. You know, so that's an interesting thing about this building. Now, there was a Christian pastor who was given a tour of this campus and he took note of the building with the tour guide and he said to his university host, so the building has a senseless design. It's built and then somebody paid for that. And he goes, yeah, they paid for that. So his argument, this pastor says, is that if life has no purpose in design, why should the building have any design? And the tour guide said, yes, that's correct. That's the idea. Then the pastor said this, did he do the same thing with the foundation? Is the foundation that that building is put upon, is it just as random? Is it just as meaningless as the rest of the building? And of course, the answer to that is no. Because if the foundation was meaningless, if the foundation didn't have any purpose or design to it, you could just do what you want, then the whole building would collapse. It would not be a safe building. And I think that's an interesting way. So you, you can't mess around with the foundation or else the whole building is going to collapse. 
you can't you can make the building different you can have artistic qualities and do different things but still throughout the building the foundation is going to matter ultimately and then there are certain walls in that building you probably have them in your house you know if you decided to redesign or something you know there are walls that are load-bearing right is you can't change that because the house will collapse if you change that particular wall then there are other walls that yeah they don't bear the load of the house you can get rid of it uh, the same thing is true in that building, by the way. There are walls and there are stairwells that actually do have a purpose that actually do make sense. And so the interesting thing about this whole building is that the the artistic concept is one that probably represents what the universities today is what we're seeing are forcing on us. But at the end of the day, there still has to be truth. There has to be truth that you can't change. There is going to have to be mathematical principles that are followed in the design. Otherwise, the building will fail. It will collapse. It will be useless. You couldn't even portray your art. See, what I mean is that there is always a fundamental truth. Reality is pers- is persistent. It's always there. I heard somebody say that uh, reality bats last for all of you uh, uh, baseball fans out there. it uh, Reality is always something that is unchangeable. A building has to follow certain unchangeable principles or it won't stand. The same is true with your house and everything else that you're doing. To live in a world where you say that's not true is to be deceived. And I want to talk about that a little bit because one of the things that is we're warned about and when we're thinking about the end times, what does Jesus say when he's asked about the end times? If you know the story in Matthew 24, Jesus is sitting around with his disciples and uh, they're asking questions the same way we're asking questions. I mean, things were pretty rough back then. And these disciples, they didn't have the New Testament. There was no book of Revelation. There was no Gospels. There was no New Testament at all, but they had the Old Testament. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but the Old Testament actually has more about the second coming of Messiah than even the first coming of Messiah. And one of the problems at the time was that people were so eager for the second coming of Messiah when he would come to Israel and be the king and ransom captive Israel, as we're about to sing here in a few weeks, or maybe you're singing now in that song, that they forgot the part where the Messiah had to come and be pierced, that they didn't want to take a look at the part where the Messiah had to come and first die for the transgressions of human beings. And that's what Jesus was there to do. And I think part of being deceived is sometimes as we get so excited about where things might be headed or we, we don't take the time to really look. And so they ask the same questions that we're asking right now. Is this the end times? Is this the the battle? Is this coming? Is the rapture around the corner? Is the Antichrist here? You know, Christians ask those questions. And you look at the news, you look at anything big that's happening in Israel, and you wonder. Although all the small things that are happening in Israel uh, also matter to uh, wherever Jesus is taking this. But I think that the key thing here is when the disciples ask Jesus this, he says, uh, do not be deceived. That's the first thing out of Jesus's mouth. Tell us, tell us about the signs of the end of the age, they said in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, Jesus says, uh, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. I always think it's so fascinating that that's the first thing out of his mouth because that's not what you want to hear, right? When we're talking about 
the second coming of Christ today and all the stuff. You know, we want to talk about Israel. We want to connect the dots. We want to take a look at what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, and is that connected here? What's China going to do? What are these nations from the north going to do? We're going to look at all of this stuff. There's fascinating things to look at in Ezekiel and Daniel and other uh, Old Testament books that these apostles were aware of. And it's fun to do that. I think they were probably having fun with that because they had those Old Testament books. But Jesus is very concerned about everything that happens before that time. And that's what we're called to do. And he says, don't be deceived. Then he says, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You know, there's a bunch of people today who are claiming that they're the Messiah, that they are the second coming of Christ. There's a guy in Florida who says he's Jesus. He's getting gray and old too. He's been saying this for like 30 years. It's funny to me that he's getting older. Uh, what are they going to do when he dies? They're going to camp out around his grave for three days, see what happens? Um, there will be many coming in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Uh, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, which you're hearing a lot of, but see to it that you are not alarmed. That's a big deal right now, right? Don't be alarmed by all of this. There could be a bigger war. Maybe this is going to be a smaller war. We don't know where this is going to go, but you know what? For believers, don't be alarmed. This, These are things that must happen. Jesus says that. These things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. Then then there's the part that nobody wants to hear, right? The, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all notions, nations because of me. Imagine the disciples sitting there hearing this. You know, they're looking for, you know, a roadmap to the end times, and they're looking for an intriguing conversation. And as part of it, Jesus says, oh, and you're going to be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Still, this is under the banner of don't be alarmed. Uh, There's a plan here. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. We have more deception going on. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That sounds like today. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The gospel is pretty close, actually, to being preached through the whole nations, the world. A lot of people believe, scholars might say, that, you know what, the whole world has to hear the gospel before Jesus returns. And if that is the case, if that's what this means very specifically, we're very close to that. It'll happen in the lifetime of many of the people listening, uh, most likely. That is an amazing, amazing thing. I want to think about uh, and just talk about the word deceived here. The word deceived um, is an important word. If you are deceived, it means you don't know you're deceived. That's the hardest part about being deceived. That's the whole idea of it. You're you don't know you're deceived. That's why you're deceived. You believe something to be true, but it's not true. And you can be deceived by other people. You can be deceived by yourself because we tell ourselves things all the time that we want to hear, but uh, that isn't true. And uh, there's a whole lot to that. We're living in a time of, of great deception. And, and in a way, it is really fascinating. I want to play a couple of clips for you. There is a, a clip going around. Do you know who Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is, AOC, as she's known for? She is a Democratic congresswoman from New York. She's very, um, she's very young, and she has a tremendous uh, following on social media. She's very liberal. She's part of what's called the, the squad leftism, I think, probably more than liberal is the right word. And, uh, but sometimes she says things that are, are 
not at all correct. So there's a lot of videos going around where she says things that aren't even right as far as the government goes and, and other things. She learns, though. She corrects herself. People should not underestimate her, I think. You know, she got that job, by the way, because you know, sometimes people say, how did she even get elected to Congress? Well, the reason she got elected to Congress is because she was running in a district, a highly Democratic district. Okay, So any Democrat is going to win. Uh, when they're on the ballot against a Republican. But she was running against another Democrat who had been in that role for many years. And he kind of was ignoring his district, as happens when you're in that role for a long time. You you fail to represent is a lot of the problem. Maybe you do that for your first couple of terms, but a lot of them are, are checked out. Well, this guy was checked out. She actually went door to door. She visited every single registered voter in her district over the course of a few months before the election. Like she personally showed up. That's incredible. That's an incredible – and that's how you win, by the way. If you're listening and you're running for office or you're thinking about running for office, I cannot tell you enough why you need to go door to door. You need to you need to get the voter registration list and you need to see who's actually registered to vote. And I don't mean to be mean to you, but if you're not registered to vote, your opinion doesn't matter. Like it matters to me personally, you know, it matters to your friends and family personally, but it doesn't matter to the government personally because you're not going to vote. So you figure out who's voting that that eliminates half the houses in your district. Right. So now you can just figure that out. Well, that's what she did. And uh, she surprised everybody in one. Do not underestimate her is what I'm saying. Now, this is the video that is going around in social media. And I want you to listen uh, to this. In fact, let me play. I'm going to play something that's really her. And then I want you to tell me about this fake one, okay? So this one is actually her. Israel does have a right to to self-defense. I think what we need to take a look at in this situation is if collective punishment qualifies as defense, if the blockade on water, food, electricity, if the dropping of white phosphorus, uh, which is an indiscriminate weapon, qualifies. So I do believe that there's a discussion to be had here. I don't believe that an either-or approach is what is necessary, but we should identify what our goal is, which is the cooling of tensions. Now she was on CNN and talking about that, and the reporter pushed back and said a lot of those things that you just said are, are not even on the table since uh, Hamas doesn't want it. That's fine. That's kind of the argument that she's at. But I really want you to hear that take, and I want you to listen to this. I just had another amazing idea. So, like, maybe we can study the effects of global warming from the main source of all the heat in our solar system, the sun. Maybe I can convince Elon Musk, who is absolutely obsessed with me, by the way, to do something good with SpaceX and figure out a mission to the sun in order to get samples. I suggest we go at night because it would probably be too hot during the day, but we'll leave all that up to the science. Is that really her or is that not really her? I want you to hear that again. And, and there I just had another amazing idea. So, like, maybe we can study the effects of global warming from the main source of all the heat in our solar system, the sun. Maybe I can convince Elon Musk, who is absolutely obsessed with me, by the way, to do something good with SpaceX and figure out a mission to the sun in order to get samples. I suggest we go at night because it would probably be too hot during the day, but we'll leave all that up to the science. Now, obviously, 
maybe for some people it's kind of a ridiculous thing. We're going to go to the sun. Maybe we should go at night because it'll be cooler. Obviously, that makes no sense. Although people listening to AOC is like, does she mean that? She might mean that. And it is possible that Elon Musk is somewhat uh, uh, interested <laughs> and, uh, if you're kind of watching all of that stuff. That video and that audio I just played for you is fake. It's it is artificial intelligence. It's not her. And along with that audio, it's not just her voice. It's a video. It's a video of her sitting at a news desk just like she's being interviewed. And she's all over the place being interviewed. So it's a typical thing that you would see. And she's talking and her lips are moving and that sound is coming out, but it's fake. It's just computer. The video is fake. The audio is fake. It's all done by artificial intelligence. You know, when in the world of talking about deception, that's where we're at right now. It's really close. It's so close that even though she says things that are crazy, there are people going, does she really say that? Because that really looks like her. And it definitely sounds like her. You know, when Jesus said to us, watch out that you're not deceived, talking about the end times, that's, we are at a level, my friend, of deception that I think the disciples hearing that, I'm sure, could not even comprehend. Like there was not even a mindset where they could comprehend that. A few years ago for us, we couldn't comprehend it being that good. The idea that somebody created as a joke, a video of a United States congressperson saying stuff, then you can tell when you look at it that the lips aren't quite moving right with the words. And you can, if, you're, if you look closely, if you see this video, you can tell it's not there. And if you listen, of course, it's a joke and the, the line about Elon Musk, which is hilarious because it's almost something she would say for real and kind of a joke there. But my friends, we're living in a time when we as believers have to be vigilant. I hate using that word because we say that right now about the terrorist attacks, right? We had the... Uh, Director of the FBI, you know, telling us that, hey, this is there's more terrorist chatter right now than we've seen for years. And, uh, you know, when people I say, well, what do we do? Be vigilant. Okay. well, for lack of a better term right now, we need to be vigilant about the things that we are viewing and watching. Because, A, it may not be true. B, it may not even be coming from the source that we think it is. And I'm not just talking about your typical fake news. You're somebody writing for some news station or paper, and they've got an agenda, and they write that, you know, according to the agenda. And uh, that's something that's been going on forever, okay? That's not even new. I think it was Mark Twain who once said uh, that uh, if you read the newspaper, you are – if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. And if you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. You know, so that's been going on a long time. Now, though, we're at a place where a kid in his room, a college person in the dorm can mimic the picture and sound, even video, of a person of authority saying something. That is an incredible thing. And it's getting better all the time. There was uh, several weeks ago, a couple of months ago, there was a Donald Trump actually called in somebody's podcast and somebody maybe that uh, normally wouldn't get any press or certainly you wouldn't hear from a former president, that level of person. But he actually called in and everybody accused that podcaster of it being fake. But it was actually Donald Trump. In that case, they didn't even know that uh, people didn't believe it was him. And it turned out it actually was. It's an incredible time we live in. And I'm saying this because there is so much information and so much back and forth going on in our news right now and in our culture right now that we cannot just sit back and sort of admire the technological advances. I mean, it's amazing, 
but we also have to realize that those things can be done for for great evil. And now when we put a con, you know, into that into the context of what Jesus tells us, watch out that nobody deceives you. Um, for many coming in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many, do you think that we're going to have a, a Instagram Jesus? And he's going to say, yep, I've come again and this is my account. And how many people are going to fall for that, I wonder? And, and don't laugh because lots of people are falling for phony Jesuses right now. There's a bunch of them around the world. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not alarmed. Let me give you a what is an alarming statistic, although don't be alarmed in the big picture, but you should be alarmed in a sense of not being deceived right now. Where do most people now get their news if you're under 30? You get it from TikTok, the social media app that is owned by a company, a Chinese company that is that must serve the Chinese government. And what is being reported is that they are manipulating what people believe and what people see based on algorithms and other things on that app for all sorts of reasons, but uh, not the smallest of them being the Israel-Palestine war, um, the different policies and politics in our own country. And people are deceived. There are things being said on there that are deliberately untrue. And the algorithm itself directs you to things that are not true, that that things that aren't true travel 70% faster than things that are true. That's what they're saying. So be vigilant with it. We're, I think social media is here to stay. I think people are going to be on there. But you need to realize that the video you're watching may not be true. And especially if you sort of agree with it or you kind of want it to be true, just be careful because it may not. And this is the deception that we've been told about. Have you ever been fooled by something online that you thought was true and it turned out not to be true? Have you had that experience? Give me a call and share that with me. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I am on social media. After all that, at Pastor Scott Show, we try to be truthful as best as we can and even just have some fun. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pastor Scott Show. You can also watch me now at on KKLA.com or radio station app. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. The uh, iconic paraglider now who's showing up everywhere and becoming some symbol of liberation instead of a symbol of terror, which is exactly what it was. Um, It's deeply disturbing. We do know that it is largely isolated to people kind of 25 years old and younger and the people who teach them Mm. on campuses, which is is a strange dichotomy. Like it missed all of these other people. And it went faculty and students who spend their days on TikTok. And there's been some really interesting investigations into what these feeds look like. Like someone uh, looked at what high schoolers in San Francisco were being fed. And they said, Here's the, there's your clear line. There's your smoking gun in Jesse's favorite kind of terminology of why these kids don't know the difference between a terror organization and a, f- a people that should be free. Um, and obviously the implications, and I've seen this floating around on social media, that's happening on TikTok with Hamas. What happens when China wants to advocate for one of their positions, right? What, what, what will be fed to our youth then? That is a discussion that was on uh, Fox News about uh, in a roundtable about TikTok and uh, how the 
algorithm can be manipulated. And that's something that, you know, if you use social media, if you're using uh, even the Internet to some degree, they are tracking, you know, what you do. And it's being done for advertisement purposes, right? So if you Google, you know, you're looking for new luggage or something, and then you're going to notice that all of a sudden the advertisements in your email, your advertisements on websites that you go to, it's luggage, how do they know that? Well, it's because you Googled luggage and it sends a message to uh, through the computer system and uh, the interwebs or whatever you want to say that says, hey, this guy's looking for luggage. And uh, there you go. And I always think it's weird, though, when I'm just talking about something and then I get the ads for it or when I'm thinking about it, which is really weird. And then I get the ads for it. Um, that is how invasive social media is. And the concern about TikTok is that. It's invasive, but it's also coming from a hostile government where the company that runs it is ByteDance. They're owned. They're a Chinese company, which means they are totally subservient to the Chinese government. And, you know, what's going to happen? So what's happening on TikTok is TikTok right now, the algorithm is boosting the anti-Israel side of the argument in the war that's going on there to the extent of – uh, basically, two billion views of certain videos where a similar story on the Israel side has got only seven or eight thousand views, and that's something that can be controlled, I guess, as far as how this works is that they can push certain stories on people or age groups, and people are asking, you know, what's going to happen when we have, if we ever have war with China or diplomatic problems with China, which we already have, they can control what people are actually regular people like you and me the type of news we get. They can control the type of stories that we get and filter out stories that might be of a different opinion. Uh, this is really something critical for us to be involved with. And I want to encourage you with that. I, I would say that maybe we're doing better. I guess that's some of my experience because the last few years, of course, have been crazy. Um, and just really, I would say the last seven or eight years as we've gone into that, people sort of believing anything that uh, somebody they like sends them. I think we're a little more discerning than we used to be. So I think there's some good movement there, but the deception is getting more and more critical. Here's somebody uh, talking about stuff going on on TikTok. These same videos, by the way, they're on Instagram and they're on Facebook and they're on Twitter and they're on other places. They usually get done on TikTok because it's just a better platform for it, but then you can save the video and then upload it to your Instagram or other stuff. This is some of what is done or being done about the war that's not real and how to notice it. These are not Israeli helicopters getting destroyed by Hamas rockets. They're all over social media, but it is, in fact, from a video game. So he is showing a video of of helicopters being destroyed. And the thing is, is it's from a video game. It is not from the actual war, but it looks real. And so this video is going around and you see... Helicopters getting blown out of the sky, and somebody says, these are Gaza rockets destroying Israeli helicopters, and people forward this around, and what does it do? It makes you even more angry. It generates a lot of emotion. It uh, is disturbing to watch. If you really think that's a real helicopter, then you really think somebody just died in that explosion I just saw, but it's fake. It's a video game. It's It's not real. These are not Israeli helicopters getting destroyed by Hamas rockets. They're all over social media, but it is, in fact, from a video game, Armor 2. If you're on social media, you've probably seen a lot of videos like this, claiming to show what's happening on the ground in Israel or Gaza. This post claims to show Israeli forces dropping white phosphorus into Gaza. So there's a clip that he's talking about that if you're watching it, 
it looks like just piles of these fiery white stuff <clears throat> falling onto Gaza. Now, the white phosphorus is something that Israel has dropped before. They claim that they have stopped doing that in most cases except to mark a few targets. And what the phosphorus does is it lights up a target or it creates a smoke screen, like a fake cloud over the city. So if you were going to bomb a city or something, it creates a smoke screen so people can't see. The trouble is with the white phosphorus is that whenever a bomb goes off, if you got some of it on you, you will you will have severe, terrible burns. It's It's a... Uh, it's like a chemical warfare type of thing. So there's a lot of issue with that. But the video they're showing is not real. It's not what is actually happening in Gaza. Potential war crime. But it's false too. This video comes from Vuladar in eastern Ukraine and dates from earlier this year. So how do we know that? Well, there are a number of techniques you can use to verify pictures and information from the internet. In this one, we took a screen grab of the video and ran that through Google Images. That led us to an article from the Sun newspaper. And you can see there at the top the video. So the video that's being shown is actually from the war in Ukraine. But what's happening is people are taking that and they're saying, hey, see, Israel is doing this to Gaza and this was just filmed or I got this. And people develop stories, but it's not real. And that's happening all the time right now on not just social media. This happens in the mainstream media as well. There have been uh, pictures shown. I remember a few years ago there was um, all of the news media showed all these explosions going on in Syria. And supposedly it was us bombing them. But it was clips from a completely separate war, and it was years before. And there are Internet tools, like he just mentioned, that you can go in and kind of search an image and then find out what it's really from. And, but I'm wondering how many of us even take the time to do that, right? How, many off, how often do we say, eh, I don't believe that, and then we research it? Um, I think we're in a place where if we're really interested in something, we, we should but we need to be very, very discerning about the news and information we're getting. You know, news, they always talk about the fog of war and a lot of the information you get when there's a war, it's not true. Um, and sometimes it takes months or years for that to be clarified. You know, that's what, something that's going on right now is whenever there's um, something is blown up somewhere, either in Gaza or maybe in Israel in this war, and then immediately you have this death toll. You know, if there's an immediate death toll, it's not accurate because nobody knows. You know, this building blew up and 500 people died. Well, uh, how did you know that? There was one where uh, there, where this uh, place blew up and, uh, and, the, and Hamas said, yeah, there were 7,000 people who died. And uh, President Biden said, well, I don't believe that number. And then Hamas put out the names and uh, like Social Security numbers of all the people who died. But they gathered almost 7,000 names and numbers of people who died within minutes of the explosion. I mean, obviously, it's not true. Obviously, they're making that up and it's propaganda. Now, the thing is, is that real people did die, uh, and it turned out to be 50 or something, not uh, the thousands of people. Uh, not that those 50 don't matter, but the propaganda that's being done is just tremendous. You've got that going on. That happens in war all the time. But now you can have sound and you can have images and you can have very convincing statements from world leaders. Do you kind of get uh, the point here? We're living in a crazy time where there are people out to deceive you in order to get your money, in order to get your opinion, in order to get your sympathies. 
uh, maybe in order to change your mind into something that's not real. And there are, sadly, some videos that we've seen before. This video, which I'm not going to show, does not show an Israeli girl being tortured by Hamas soldiers. It shows a young girl in 2015 being killed in Guatemala. But that hasn't stopped the same video being used in India, claiming she was a Hindu girl who had attended prayers at a Christian church. Or in Afghanistan in 2021, after the fall of Kabul. In both those instances, this same video appeared on social media. Fake or misleading news stories are 70% more likely to be shared than true ones. That means they travel further and faster than real stories. Videos and posts like these are just some of the examples of that. So he's talking about uh, there are videos of violent scenes that are actually from old wars that keep getting replayed in one war after another as as though they're the same thing. And then the idea that the news travels so fast. I think as a as a people, when we're talking about being deceived, and this matters even in our our own life, bad news travels very very quickly, and and fake news for whatever reason, it goes super fast. And I think it's because it's targeted at your emotions, it's targeted at your whatever sensibilities you have, whatever biases you have. It is targeted towards that, and you want to believe. You, know, you don't want to believe that somebody's being killed or these violent things are happening. But if they sort of support your angle to it, you're more likely to do that. These, you know, the what to do about this is to regularly be in prayer and regularly be discerning. It's a challenge to make sure that you can do that. But today, my friends, even in a newspaper you trust, the story may not be accurate. And very rarely do we see a retraction. Very rarely do people say, hey, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. And then you just have people who are out there to deliberately do this. So I'm telling you this so that you can be vigilant. The reason that you should is because in your conversations with people, you have better credibility when the things you say or the things you post on your social media are accurate. Uh, that really helps you because the people that you, if you post something that's not true, even if you think it's true, but you post it's not true, there are people who know you who see that. And when they know it's not true, it does something to their perception of you. And if you, your perception is, if the perception of you is that you're not a truth teller or that you're not interested in truth, all of us mess up. Um, Pastor Scott has messed up and have said, had to come back on the show and say, hey, that thing I said last week didn't turn out to be true. Uh, it happens. And you have credibility when you can do a retraction, right? When you can say, hey, I made a mistake. Always take the time to do that, by the way. If you ever post something and it turns out to be false, go back and post something else and say, hey, I posted this last week. Don't just delete it. That's what people do today. They delete the post and act like it never happened. The problem is, is people have seen it and people have formed an opinion about you based on what you posted. Go back and say, last week I posted this. This turned out not to be true. I'm sorry to have misled you. Here's the link to whatever is true. That's a great practice to do because we can all be mistaken. We can be deceived. That's part of life. And I think people respect that. But I think you need to be aware that people, and you do this too. I do this you know, with people. We form opinions uh, based on something that somebody posts or says. And if that turns out to not be true or if repeatedly they're saying things that aren't true or forwarding messages along that aren't true, we end up not having credibility with anybody. And that hurts our testimony. That hurts our ability to have conversations about the serious things that we need to have conversations about, and especially the gospel. I believe this is why Jesus in Matthew 24 and why the gospels over and over again warn us about false teachers, warn us about deceptions, especially in the end times, because that is a big deal. And the most important venture that all of us are on 
if you're a Christian, is to let other people know about Jesus, to let people know that the way, the truth, and the life is in Jesus Christ. And that if you want to investigate that and you want to ask questions about that, it's going to lead you to a story that is very convincing and a story that where ultimately you have to have faith and trust, like just about anything else, by the way, but the evidence is very significant. And when you push aside the phony stories and you just investigate and you look, you're going to find that the hope is in Jesus Christ. And that is a great way to live. And then you can hear his words when he tells you, do not be alarmed by the wars and rumors of wars and all the stuff going on. Don't be alarmed. You know what happens when you believe and trust in Jesus? You're not alarmed. And that's a great way to live your life, to not be alarmed. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can watch me on kkla.com. You can get a podcast of our show. Looking for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcast. Just click subscribe. You'll never miss a show. I'll be back as the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Kid is just an absolutely uh, great kid. If I were going to pick uh, the three or four best athletes I've ever seen play basketball, he'd be one of them. I think he's the best athlete I've ever seen play basketball, bar none. If I were going to pick people with the best ability I'd ever seen play the game, he'd be one of them. If I were going to pick the best competitors that I'd ever seen play, he'd be one of them. So in the categories of competitiveness, ability, uh, skill, and then uh, athletic ability, uh, he's the best athlete, he's one of the best competitors, he's one of the most skilled players. And, and that, to me, makes him the best basketball player that I've ever seen play. That was former Indiana University basketball coach Bobby Knight, who passed away yesterday, presumably of Alzheimer's, although they didn't quite say that. Uh, you know, I, it's funny because he was the coach uh, when I was a kid growing up for Indiana basketball. I watched a lot more basketball down there, college basketball. And he coached, I think, through the 90s, and sometime he got fired eventually uh, because he was maybe the best college basketball coach ever, and he also had the worst temper and worst mouth of just about any basketball coach ever. And he passed away. I don't know why it's been on my mind so much, but, uh, you know, I good coaches uh, matter in our life. Have you ever had a coach that really made a difference in your life, something maybe even beyond the sport? You know, he's a guy who uh, has kind of this dual personality. If you got a story you want to call, the number is 888-528-2557, In a uh, book that was written about him called A Season on the Brink by John Feinstein, uh, he wrote, he said this uh, about the 25th anniversary of the book. He said this, his, quali- his good qualities are so good, his bad qualities are so bad. If I had a dollar for every time someone told me a story about encountering Knight and finding him gracious and charming and funny, I would never have to work another day in my life. If I also had a dollar for every time I've been told a story about Knight being a bully or being rude or obnoxious, I'd be Bill Gates. And uh, that's probably right about that guy. Do you ever follow that guy? Were you involved, uh, Wilbert, in uh, in uh, basketball? Oh, I think Wilbert's uh, on the phone with somebody. 
Uh, no worries, Wilbert. Yeah. I, you were on the phone with a caller or something. Yes. Yeah, you, Bobby Knight, do you ever follow Indiana basketball back in the day? Are you old enough for that? I'm not old enough for that, but I know enough to know who he is. Yeah, okay. He's the guy on the, uh, for, for the younger people listening, there is a famous uh, gif or jif, whatever you're supposed to say, that you put on your phones, and it's a, it's a guy in a red, swe- a red, red sweater, a basketball coach, throwing a chair across the basketball court. And I I've think seen, I've seen said meme. You've probably seen that meme, right? Well, that's him. And I remember when that actually happened. I want to say it was in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. He got mad and just throws this sort of uh, plastic, one of those plastic uh, chairs that you might sit on on the bench. It's got the metal legs and the plastic chair across the floor. And, uh, you know, he would just say some of the most crazy things. But he was also a great coach. And one of the things that there's a couple of things that as I read about him in the stories that people are writing, he had the ability to, he did a couple of things that were really good. He never got caught up in the scandals that were going on in that era, the recruitment scandals, where there was a lot of bribery and other things going on to get the good players on your team. And, and lots of people got caught up in that. He never did. Uh, I'm sure there was temptation to do that, but he never did. And another thing that he did that was really good was most of his players graduated college. You know, most of those people that you watch play college sports, um, they're not going to they're not going to go pro. And often, whenever the college is over, they don't graduate. They don't get a degree in anything. So they went to college. Maybe they got a scholarship. Maybe they got uh, you know were there for some you know some other way they were paying for it. But then they drop out or they never finish. That happens a lot. He made sure that they graduated. There's a lot of people out there who have benefited because they ended up getting their degree. And this was a time before colleges lost their mind like they've lost now. But, um, you know, the coaches and people who speak into our life, they matter. There's a couple of lessons, I think, from him. He was somebody who the other thing about him was that he was very generous. Apparently, he gave to charity in huge ways that if you were a charity in Indiana – you knew Bobby Knight. He was probably giving you uh, a lot. And, you know, that says something, I think, about somebody. Um, and at the same time, he would get in trouble for his mouth for saying uh, rude things and, and angry things. It, it says you know, he wasn't a fan of the uh, three point shot. He was not a fan of the three pointer. No. Why not? He didn't like that. Uh, he said it's like if someone hit a baseball 450 feet. They should get two points. Like, oh. it's just a shot in the game. <laughs> right. It's just another shot in the game. Yeah, he had some things to say, you know, about different things. And he, he would also announce that uh, he's forgotten more about the game of basketball than all the uh, reporters and other coaches are ever going to know. Uh, so he had some arrogance about that. He There were several other words that he had in that quote that I have edited out for our program. Um, the quote that I played at the beginning of this is from him. And who do you think he's talking about here, the, where he talks about this one particular player who he thinks is the greatest basketball player he's ever seen? Who do you think that is, Wilbert? The greatest he's ever seen? Yeah. It has to be MJ. This is what he says. Kid is just an absolutely uh, great kid. If I were going to pick uh, the three or four best athletes I've ever seen play basketball, he'd be one of them. I think he's the best athlete I've ever seen play basketball, bar none. If I were going to pick people with the best ability I'd ever seen play the game, he'd be one of them. If I were going to pick the best competitors 
that I'd ever seen play. He'd be one of them. So in the categories of competitiveness, ability, uh, skill, and then uh, athletic ability, uh, he's the best athlete. He's one of the best competitors. He's one of the most skilled players. And, and that, to me, makes him the best basketball player that I've ever seen play. Yep. He said that about Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan had ever made a play in the NBA. I mean, that's a pretty strong statement to say about somebody and then turn out to be right, basically, at least arguably uh, correct at the time. Anyway, you know, we all need coaches in our life. It is okay to let somebody speak into your life and even drive you a little bit, whether it is to get healthy or to get on the straight and narrow as following Jesus, you know, as, as iron sharpens iron. Uh, that's what we can be for each other when we when we really coach each other to follow Jesus. Something the New York Times wrote about him is that he was a driven competitor for whom losing was agony and a, resent, a relentless motivator whose chief tool was an anger-fueled rant. The anger-fueled rant part would get him in trouble. But I liked the part about being somebody who losing was agony, who wanted to win. I think that's okay. You know, I think you don't win by cheating, and he didn't cheat. He didn't cheat to get other players in. And I don't think that the anger-fueled rant might might have been motivating in fear. That's probably not the right way to do it in the big picture. It ultimately cost him an awful lot. But I think a big part of him was the idea that losing was agony. It's okay to want to win. You know, it it's we say to our kids it's not how you play the game it's uh you know it's not whether you won or lost it's how you play the game well i think winning is part of how you play the game and you should win graciously and lose graciously but i think winning is okay can i say that you know it is okay to win and it is okay to be strategic to win i think that we are given gifts to use by the holy spirit for the edification of the church and the furthering of the gospel and it is okay to win that's why we say you win people for christ um, it's not okay to win by falsehood or lies or sin by leveraging sin or some, something like that, but it is okay to go out there and say, you know what, I've been given whatever tools I have, and there's a lot of parts of my life where I'm going to lose, but in this particular area, I've been designed to win, and it is okay to go out there and win. All right, we come back. We'll talk about some more things in the news. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. You can get the podcast uh, of the Pastor Scott Show. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcast. Plec, uh, press or plec the uh, subscribe button and follow us, and uh, you'll never miss a show. We'll be back as the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. 